Welcome to The Stanza, a show for investors and entrepreneurs in the creative industries. I'm your host, Nadine Cho, and I'll be sharing stories of unique people creating their own paths. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Today's guest is Lexi Coppathorn, who is a creative director and brand strategist with experience across luxury real estate, hospitality, and fashion. I have never met anyone like Lexi. She has such a unique intellectual approach to her creative work. And in this episode, we talk all about her process when creating physical and digital environments for brands. Some of her experience includes branding for luxury real estate developer JDS in New York, the Beverly Estate, also known as the Godfather House, Costalena, the LA Mediterranean restaurant and is also the co-founder of Prusan, a technical athletic wear company based between LA, New York, and London. Also for some history here, before the lockdown, Lexi and I were planning to launch a tequila brand, but unfortunately COVID happened and our plans just didn't work out. But I got to witness how her creative mind works and when I started this podcast, I just knew I had to have her on as a guest. If you're obsessed with all things brand as it pertains to the digital and physical world, you are going to love this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Luxury hospitality businesses are expected to consistently deliver the best experiences possible, and the best brands in the space share this one tool behind the scenes to make that happen, PeopleVine. PeopleVine is not just a CRM tool. It's the technological backbone that empowers operators to elevate every guest and member experience. How? By providing the tools to enable personalized experiences, streamline billing, showcase exclusive events, manage dining reservations, and tailor activity bookings, all curated around the distinct preferences of your members and guests. For nearly a decade, PeopleVine has been the software preference for the best brands in hospitality, several of which I've mentioned throughout my content and you probably know and love. I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can check out which brands are also using PeopleVine and also book a free demo for your business. Now back to the episode. Hello, Lexi, and welcome to the Stanza podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. I am a huge fan of your work and the way that your mind translates brand and creativity. So for the audience, can you walk us through your past experience as a designer and brand strategist? I studied communication design in college and I think built a really strong foundation in graphic design language um, during that time and had a really huge passion for photography, anything visual. From there was interning in New York and LA, um, mostly for creative agencies, ad agencies. I feel like I learned a ton about how to actually produce creative there, you know, whether it was art buying or creative production on set. Um, and that was a really great foundation to have. And then after school, I kind of dove into, found myself at J. Crew working in the web design department and learned a ton there about kind of just strong brand identity and process and creating kind of digital experiences in an e-commerce environment. Also learned a lot of photo art direction there. They had a huge in-house kind of department as well. That's where I got really interested too in kind of the intersection of business and creative. I think learning how a customer converts online and learning how to create just a really impactful visual experience through that too and and where those compete or intersect or need to compromise was really interesting. And then from there, I was in New York for a while and 
was always really interested in kind of 360 marketing, branding, um, omni-channel experiences and the physical experience and found a lot that, you know, J. Crew, Stuart Weitzman, the the online experience was a bit disconnected from the in-store experience. Both were amazing in different ways and just kind of dove me into being really interested in kind of spatial design. And so I moved over to a luxury real estate developer, JDS, and started learning about, yeah, how like digital strategy, you know, branding, creative, and also just physical development worked in that environment for often kind of like longer term projects. So that's where I kind of landed. And then I ended up moving out to LA, going out on my own. I'd always been freelancing, but picking up some special projects across real estate, fashion, art, and starting a brand of my own with a friend of mine in the sports space, which is a huge passion of mine. I have a big dance background. so That's so cool. And for the audience, and really for me, when you talk about a lot of these things, they seem really abstract. So can you tell us more about what creative buying is? You mentioned that term, creative buying. Art buying and creative production is really interesting. So I think an art buyer is someone who has their finger on the the most creative talent. They have that Rolodex of artists, photographers, illustrators, and they have this great knowledge of who's out there work, making the actual work that they could pair with a client or a different a specific brand or a project to make something come to life. So art buying and creative production is the process of saying, okay, here's our brief. Now, what's the creative team that we need to build around it? And who's the right photographer for this? Who's, you know, if we need an illustration component, if we need whatever, um, it's building that team around it and figuring out how to produce that entire event. So it's just, it's a lot of process and it's a lot of knowing who's out there making what and what they're good at. And I think too, what I learned a lot in school too, was starting to develop that taste and that eye for you know, how does this illustrator look different from that based on even their mark making and just really kind of starting to develop a more enhanced eye for what good design looks like or or what different styles look like as well. I want to just share with the audience what I thought was really interesting. Uh, something you mentioned about the intersection of business and creative and you are someone who I think is very left and right brain, like equally left and right brain, like you think about both sides. And it's really cool to see the behind the scenes process of, okay, this creative, like how do we get this creative to communicate something to the viewer to convert them to do something to like trigger a purchase or like raise brand awareness. And so for you specifically, I mean, I've seen your work. I know you're your work is insane. Like the way that you position brands is so unique to anyone that I've seen out there. And I want to know more about your philosophy when it comes to how brands should interact with their potential consumers. I think it's about creating a strong brand that you believe in and a product that you believe in, but it's it's about having that come to life in so many different venues and formats and having that ecosystem all connect to each other. And I think mm-hmm. something that, you know, I pulled on from my fashion e-commerce experience is often in digital, so much of what you're trying to do is create this tactile, emotional 
you know, connection between the product that you're selling and the audience. And it's through a screen, you know, you can't touch the product, you can't feel the product. So how are you telling that story? And I think on the other side of it, you know, in real estate, you're, you're sitting with ideally this gorgeous, you know, physical location place that has so much, you know, history and local context and a collaboration of creators. And how do you bring that to life in a different way as well? So I think the way that brands should interact with the consumer from my perspective is in a way that's thinking holistically about how people live and Mm -hmm. where you can show up. Um, I think also what's really important is understanding your audience and understanding different audience segments and understanding the unique demographics, psychographics, how people are digesting media and content and all the different ways a strong brand and a strong, you know, brand value can show up in many different ways across digital, across physical. So I think just um, it's about creating an ecosystem and it definitely needs to feel very unified in ways, but also is able to flex in different ways um, at the same time. It seems like it boils down to cohesive storytelling in these different places that the consumer experiences the brand, and then also that the story evokes some kind of emotion for the consumer to trigger a purchase or et cetera, like sharing on social media. In terms of your experience working in fashion and real estate, what are some principles that you have learned from like a design perspective that work well in like the other industry? You know, what was interesting about diving into real estate is that I think their marketing approach is a lot more traditional and you have agents and you have brokers and you have a space and there's ways of like bringing people into the space. And so much of what I pushed there was kind of my background and understanding of online conversion and e-commerce and building kind of this brand world and looking at ways that you can create a really strong customer journey in that digital space. So connecting kind of the digital and physical there bringing in kind of the um, all of the learnings that you have in the digital space to try to really market the end product of a physical environment was a really interesting one. And I think some of what I said earlier about how do you create, let's just take, you know, a beautiful residence in New York. How do you, how do you create a tactile, emotional, you know, experience looking at understanding the space? It's, it's not just showing that one macro rendering. It's looking at the micro. It's helping you understand the feel of being in that space. So, so much of that is done with amazing visual and storytelling. And I think that's often skipped over because it's this kind of detail work that actually gives someone the essence of sitting in an apartment, looking over Central Park with a little hot cup of coffee and what that feels like and what that Mm. is versus like, you know, all of the kind of the big elements of the space. So that kind of pulling in just the detail work and the kind of micro close-up experience that good, I think, online brands do, that was interesting pulling into kind of the real estate environment. And I think something from the physical to digital that I've learned a lot is so much of like the placemaking and your brand and your people are living in physical spaces. And so how can you pull from that, whether it's a rich history or, or just kind of how people go about their days, bring that back into kind of a a digital lens as well. So I think they both communicate with each other in really interesting ways and they just relate to each other in interesting ways. Like the, 
having a storefront, it's really interesting to see brands that are born in a digital age then move into brick and mortar versus the opposite. And then also like, you know, spaces that are that are based in, you know, a permanent location, figure out how to create value online. Um, and I think just the more that people are connected and often, you know, digital is the first point that people are finding brands or spaces or companies that have that physical location, you have to, you know, as we discussed, create a holistic experience around it, but they all can pick up kind of tips from each other. The industries are very interconnected. Yeah, I think definitely fashion and real estate for sure. I mean, besides the fact that they both hinge on aesthetics, I think the ultimate like driver in terms of like purchasing in those two businesses is really like how the consumer feels. I remember JDS. Okay, JDS sticks out to me because I remember the Copper Building. Yeah. Which was like this for the for the audience that's listening that maybe doesn't know about the Copper Building. It's this absolutely stunning luxury high-rise residential project that was on the East River. I think it was on 34th Street, right? Or like somewhere in the 30s. And I remember they used Jen Salter as their like Instagram influencer model. And she's like this, you know, she was known for like the 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 butt workouts and like she would always like post photos of working out at the gym there. And like I just think it's so interesting to see you know, a lot of those principles as well, social media and validation, like those are also some of the things that are driving fashion and like those are now driving real estate. And I think it's all obviously the aesthetics thing is one thing, but also like the consumer demographic, you know, like millennials and like, you know, the younger, the younger Gen X and like obviously like the, the now Gen Z years. But yeah, I mean, you have so much experience just going through the different industries. And now, you know, I also want to talk about Prusen, which I'm really excited about. I think it's such a beautiful brand. And I think you're doing something in the athleisure space that I personally haven't seen before. There's the community aspect. So like the the run club, which I think is super cool. And like the branding is very elegant and it feels a bit more like luxury fashion and not you know athleisure in the sense of wearing leggings to you know go run errands it's like okay like I want to look very put together and like have really nice fabric but also have it be functional so what was the impetus behind starting Prusen and what is your vision for the brand like as an athleisure business it's great to hear you explain it because I think you hit on a lot of elements that you know we feel really strongly about so The way that Prusen started is a college roommate of mine, a good friend of mine called me in COVID and we are both, we were both athletes at school. You know, we bonded over wearing these men's American apparel swim trunks that we thought were very cool. And, you know, we sit wearing a lot of sportswear all the time and a lot out of the men's department often too. Um, So anyways, Jesse called me up and had gotten back into kind of distance running through COVID in London and was just kind of not happy with the options that she was finding on the market. And I think it kind of sprung into a discussion of starting starting Prusen and creating product that really is beautiful sportswear for active people, for you know people who appreciate high quality design um, and also sportswear that really holds up in performance. And I think it's really interesting. The word athleisure is interesting to me because there's so many, I think, athleisure brands out there that 
might feel very style forward, but to me end up being kind of the leggings you you wear to chill on the couch. And mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, the alternate two are some really high performance technical sports brands that have a lot of logos or kind of athletic tropes, stripes, stuff like that. So we, we wanted to focus in on a solution that would solve our own problems of having sportswear that does feel like, you know, sports attire, you know, not athleisure wear and stuff that feels really good, feels sleek and beautiful enough to wear outside of just running in our sports. Um, Because I think overall, the active lifestyle ends up really trickling into every part of your day, especially if that's core to who you are. So it's been a really cool experience, you know, developing a brand and working alongside my co-founder to build this this vision of streamlined product that's high performance and, you know, can also just celebrate the, uh, such a beautiful world as well, a visual world. Can you tell us more about the community runs? Cause I think that's a really interesting strategy. And I'm wondering if that's like, Oh, you just want to get friends together to run or is it, you know, is there like more intention when it comes to like the business aspect of promoting Prusen? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's so interesting. I think, First of all, we're building this from LA and London, and we have a huge kind of base in New York where we both lived for a long time. And run culture has been so fascinating to see across those three cities alone. I think in London, it's also just kind of, it's triple, it's just gotten so big in the past couple of years. And I think a huge push in COVID um, and during that time, you know, a lot of people got out and started running. And I think run a lot of run clubs started in that time. We, you know, Prusen is such a small team right now. And having a run club and having opportunities to bring people together um, has been such a great way to meet a core, core community of ours, um, which is, you know, people who take their, their, sports practice, their athletic practice seriously. I think we have a very core customer who is predominantly a a woman, um, a female kind of city runner who is maybe training for half marathons, marathons. So having an opportunity to show up to host a run, it's something that's, you know, first of all, low budget and a great way to for us to just connect directly with some of these people. I think from like a longer term strategy there's it's been interesting for us to think about the run club as one type of community building aspect that we can tap into but there's so many run clubs i think part of what Prusen wants to do too is is celebrate all of the different run experiences that you can have like in london specifically let's say and figure out how we really show up and so i think even leaning into more novelty run experiences that feel a little bit more like a curated you know, one-time event that we can continue creating might actually make more sense for our audience and demographic while not also competing with other run clubs that are consistent and, and happening out there. I think also it's been interesting to see the way a lot of brands are tapping into run clubs because I think there's customers there who are not brand loyal, who are going to as many run clubs as they can in one week, let's just say. And they love running and they love community and running with people is something that is is a great thing and a, you know, a way of also meeting kind of new people around locally. So I think having those opportunities is tapping into who people are. And at the same time, you know, there's so many different levels of run clubs out there. There's ones that are 
you know, focused on speed and training. And there's ones that are very for socializing that end at the pub and are super fun and dynamic in different ways. I've seen a lot of, you know, bigger brands come in and be able to find a group of great, you know, active, qualified buyers and interested customers and be able to gift and test new product with them. So I think Run Clubs is just like this this beautiful place for sportswear brands to interact with is is awesome. And running and like activity as a ground is, is like a very easy icebreaker for mm-hmm. um, for people. So so with Pruzen, we, we have the privilege of having access to a really beautiful um, space in Shoreditch. And it's a place that we're able to have meetups for, for runs in the local neighborhood and also a place that we're able to host sculpt classes or kind of cross-training classes for runners, the runner community. So having that as a space to have people convene and offering something that's an activity that's an immediate icebreaker. It's a physical thing. You know, it's kind of equalizing everyone in the room in a way going through an experience is just a great way to start, you know, tapping into our, our main community and start building from, you know, just building personal connections. The way that we would decide to maybe grow that has been something that we're trying to figure out. I think most recently at the end of August, we actually created a novelty run across three major cities in LA, New York, and London around the super blue moon and created. Mm, I saw that. Yeah. So we, we created some kind of unique experiences that were a fun way to have, you know, the community come and interact in a way that was a more of a one-off. So I think it's also an interesting way to, uh, just to go back to what you said about bridging the digital and the physical spaces. So like, you know, you hear about present first on Instagram and you maybe align with the brand ethos and like the aesthetics and you're like, okay, I also want sleek technical wear that's designed well and is, you know, made with quality. And then, you know, you join the run club and you realize, oh, well, these are all the people, you know, who have this taste or these values in common. And I think it's a really strong way to build a brand and a community behind the brand that's not just, you know, community for the sake of lowering acquisition costs, which I think a lot of these, you know, digital first brands are doing. And there's no shame to that. You know, you have to acquire customers in some way, shape or form. Um, But I think, you know, a really sticky way to do that is to, you know, if you have people that are aligned on values, that like emotional experience of like running together and like having runners high, it can be super powerful. And, you know, I think the way that you're doing it, combining it with this like, you know, sleek, beautiful aesthetic is is super cool. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, no, I think it's fascinating to think about from brand to brand, the best way to approach community building or experience. And I think exactly what you said about you, you have to understand what your values are and who you are as a brand in order to figure out what type of experience you want to deliver to the customer as well and to your community. So mm-hmm. I think as well, you know, and it's no knock on any type of brand that does things differently. I think there's so many different strategies and there's different price points for products that make it possible to do all sorts of activations. So I think, yeah, that's been an interesting one for us. And I think we're definitely in, we launched 10 months ago, we're in a building phase and a testing phase. And so much to what of what we're trying to do is creating enough physical experiences where we can also see how our customers react to them, how our community reacts to them, 
what they like, what they're asking for more. So it's a very interesting experience as well, finding the balance between building a really strong visual and value-based brand that also is only going to be successful from a business perspective if you interact and provide your your people with what they're what they're asking for and what they want. Totally. So yeah. I think that's where you get to, you know, all of this feedback that we're getting is super important. And it's this is where it becomes fun to kind of think about the feedback and a little bit of like a math equation of like the formulas and how you can then bend and flex your brand to to show up for your audience the way that they're asking for you to as well. So mm. That's what becomes fun about working within the brand space versus, you know, working in-house at a brand too, and where it becomes creative and full of opportunity moving forward to, to see how things evolve um, in a way that it's not just directed by, by myself or my co-founder, it's by the community that we're building too. I want to zoom back into the real estate space because as you know, I've had Chloe McConney on the podcast um, to the audience, Chloe McConney is a hospitality entrepreneur. Um, it's a couple episodes back. She is a restaurant owner in Los Angeles, and she's building a really cool restaurant brand, taking like a Mediterranean view on not only the menu, but the vibe and just in general, the world of Casalena. And actually, Alexi has worked with Chloe McConney on Casalena. So I want to know exactly what you did for the brand, how you got in touch with Chloe, because I didn't even know that you guys knew each other until I saw that that connection on my personal Instagram. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Um, So yeah, tell us more about like how you got involved with Chloe and Casalena and what you did for them. You know, I think just the way that I've gotten involved in all of my kind of freelance or special projects has been through friends and referrals and amazing people in the industry that I respect who are connecting me with other people. So a great friend of mine, Tommy, who's a super talented photographer and creative, has a brand of his own as well, connected me with Chloe and her brothers. And just we got started talking about Casalena and their vision for it. And, you know, I think Chloe and team are super talented and extremely hardworking with just a really, really strong vision. And I think they it's been really cool to work with them because they had a very strong vision for Casalena itself. They had a really rich history with the property um, and the restaurant and the restaurants before it. And they really understand the value of building brand, both in the physical space and in the digital space. So I had come to them when they actually already had you know, the logo and the branding. And it was more just like, okay, we have these assets and we have this space and we have an amazing story to tell. How do we start to tell it? Um, and I think from there, you know, I worked kind of and, and continue to work hand in hand with Chloe on just the brand direction. And I think a lot of that started with like a mood board, a site tour, you know, walking through really, you know, diving in, taking lots of iPhone photos of the material palette around, um, interviewing and working with them and just understanding the ins and outs of the business and the vision and then taking all of the assets, you know, around the celebration of the Mediterranean coast and so much, there's so much just visual, you know, meat to work with there. And yeah, building a beautiful mood board and just kind of extending all of the brand language and figuring out how we can start to build content, storytelling, consistent storytelling around there. So um, I've worked with them kind of on social, with photographers, um, 
you know, consulting even just kind of on their general PR and even some of the kind of physical design decisions in the space. But I think one thing that's just really speaks to the success of that project, and they've really just launched, but is just how laser focused that that team is. Chloe and her brothers are amazing, amazing leaders. And I think they just have a very strong vision that helps me help them think about how to execute in a really smart way. So far from just what I've seen, I mean, before I even knew that you were involved, it looks so good online, like their content strategy and like the storytelling. And like, you know, once you dig in deeper to like what we mentioned about their family owning that that property for so many years, it's just like, it's so cool. And I'm really excited to see the proliferation as a whole, like in hospitality of hospitality entrepreneurs looking at their businesses not as just a place where they serve food and like not as just like a place where people come to like buy a drink it's more than that now because as we you know we we discussed you hear about businesses through social media first nowadays more often than not it's not you know oh like i saw an ad on on tv or like i drove past it it's usually like oh i heard this restaurant was good let me check out their instagram page to see you know what the vibe is like and you know, that's usually the first point of interaction between a, like a potential consumer and the business nowadays. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm really excited to see how you will transition into, you know, making more moves and like doing more of these special projects. I was um, going to say one thing just in, in response to that is and it goes kind of back to the Jess Selter um, or bringing up the Jess Selter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So much of building brand capital, I think, is also building this kind of creating this taste making around the space that's very, very intentional. I mean, I think some of, I don't know if you do this, but if I've heard of a restaurant, I go check it out on Instagram. And immediately if I see, you know, so-and-so following it, all of a sudden it checks off a box where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that, that has to be a certain level of, of good in some way. Let's just... Mm-hmm. So I think to a lot of the beautiful approach with Casalena or some of these other projects too is that is is building enough of a brand world where you can get the right people involved, the right creatives, the right adjacent brands, the right communities who are all going to build around and make that experience richer. So I think that's so key to to building brand these days. And it touches, of course, your impression digitally. It touches your impression physically. It touches the specific customer service you need to bring across those channels. And it also touches, you know, so many other things. In terms of your creative process, what are the top three things you think about in your creative process when you start to build a digital world from a physical space? So something like a project like Casalena or the JDS buildings that you've worked on, like what are some of the top three things that you think about? I would actually say this is, this is, in addition to Casalena, JDS, even for a D2C like online brand, which is how Prusen started, it's all about, to me, it starts with a physical space. So I think, mm-hmm. um, let's just say Casalena as an example, it's, it requires research, history, you know, understanding how the space has existed, what is there to kind of latch on to and how it's being imagined or reimagined. So much of it is walking through, understanding the local community, understanding the material palette, the color palette. Like there's so many things that you can pull off of, even just kind of doing a walkthrough of a space, even before it's been designed, let's just say. And so building that 
research, that bucket of research, there's so much that you can latch onto from there. You know, JDS, the the managing director there who I worked with was an architectural historian. And so I think so much of what, you know, I learned about the depths of history and research you can do mm-hmm. Um you know, JDS does a lot of adaptive reuse projects as well, but they, it's, it's infinite. And I also think, you know, Casalena has a beautiful story and history of that property, which we obviously haven't even dived into sharing kind of sharing yet. But I think so much of it starts with research and finding little pockets of, you know, exciting things that you discover that have nothing to do with the, the logo that you just worked on or made. And it's that type of richness that you uncover And I think the way that that also translates to my approach, even if it's a digital brand is, um, or a D2C brand is creating that then, you know, creating that out of nothing, like who is the Prusan woman or man and how do they live and what are their interests? Um, You know, obviously that's a bit of a brand exercise that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, but if you really dig deep into kind of bringing a personality and a history with that personality to a brand, I think it helps give you a lot of kind of creative expression and freedom within that as well. It sounds like there's so much thought that goes into creating the world that people interact with. And I think from the naked eye, it doesn't seem so detailed but like what you just mentioned this process especially like I know how you operate and like if you're if you say you're doing research like I know it's it's not just research it's like it's like research for a college thesis paper it's not basic research google it's she's going in deep and she's really thinking about this and there's so much intention and I think especially in the creative world you know, to the naked eye exam, for example, it's just, you know, it, it looks beautiful and it looks cool and it draws you in. It's alluring. But there's always that that like something special that you can't put your finger on that like draws you to that. And I think, you know, with everything that you've done in your past work, it's always, you know, I've always picked up on that like special something that you can't really like put your finger on it. But it's like, you know, again, this research and this process and this thinking and this intentionality and like an element of surprise. And like, yeah, I think it all it all like pulls together like in such a cool way. Oh, thank you so much. I think what you said about just the it is really important to, I think, have an intention behind an end result that can sometimes feel just kind of beautiful and like, let's say the window dressing on the main event and the main business, but it's so integrated. And I think having that intention is crucial, at least to me, to feel good about kind of like the beauty that you're bringing into the world or that end result. Um, Because yeah, it has strategy and it has meaning that connects back to the original need or goal for the owner or whoever's working on it. So Mm -hmm. And also, I want to dive into this project. You work for um, Nicholas Bergruen. He's such an interesting guy. I met him at um, actually at his house. He probably doesn't remember me, but he had a party at um, as like a Milken after party, like for the Milken conference. And it was like just like a room full of like VCs, like all in crypto. This was like 2021. Yeah, fall 2021 at like the height of the crypto boom. And it was like all these people who were investing in crypto and psychedelics and like whatever was hot at the time. And like it was at his like beautiful apartment. He has that condo on Sunset. But yeah, I, I just remember thinking like this guy is so like he's such a he's such an enigmatic person, like so mysterious. <laughs> and I'm wondering like how you even got involved with the Beverly Estate. I mean, that must have been 
a wild intro and how like what did you contribute to that project yeah no i mean it's so funny um the the beverly estate is awesome and i mean it's called like the godfather house so mm-hmm. many things were filmed there um and again just got referred to through a really good friend of mine um you know who's friends with a wonderful guy working with nicholas and Bruin, kind of helping shape the, you know, his real estate collection and they were in need of a website. You know, that's the first kind of intro that we got. And I definitely kind of have that in my toolkit, but it was just interesting because I think just thinking, you know, as, as we kind of had a com- further conversation about the goal for the website, for the property, it was really figuring out where to invest kind of the, the time and the money properly. And I think that ended up kind of finding its way into creating a really beautiful, beautifully done kind of editorial film of the property that ended up filling those content buckets on a very simple website. Um, So I think, you know, it was very, very fun to work on that project. And there's a lot of beautiful things in the works for that specific property. Um, But yeah, no, I helped, I helped kind of shape the vision for the, just the digital presence where people can come and inquire about that space, which is you know, has been rented out in many different ways, has been leased um, by interesting people. So it was really about bringing kind of a more editorial and elevated lens to the property as well. You know, I think in luxury real estate specifically, one thing that shocks me is how poor of quality, you know, the video content specifically Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. Can often take like an amazing space and make it just feel completely ratchet or just like <laughs> it makes it feel like so just not not high design so um i think just specifically finding the right team to really put kind of a beautiful lens on the property and capture not only the grandness of the spaces but some of the details um you know even of the lush foliage and certain things around the space to give it a new visual look i think really brought something to that to that project that's so cool well as a closing i ask all my guests if they have any advice for people who are looking to build their careers in similar spaces so as a creative director slash brand strategist, what advice do you have for aspiring people in who are pursuing paths in the similar industries? First one is I have a background that some could argue is nonlinear and jumps around. And I think that's uh, a big um, benefit to how I've been able to approach creative and brand. So I think, you know, work on things that you're, you're, you gutturally, you gravitate towards, um, and don't be afraid to try new industries with a skill set that you feel like only works with one. There's so many crossovers. Um, I think also as much as you can reach out to people that you admire, um, you know, try to have a conversation with them, grab a coffee with them. There's so much to continue learning. So I'd say that's, that's definitely a big one. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And there were so many little nuggets I'll definitely be referencing later as I continue to build my own brands as well. Thank you guys. And to the audience that's listening, I will put links in the show notes to everything that we have referenced, including Prusen and the Beverly Estate. You guys should definitely check it out. It's super interesting. And I will see you guys in the next episode.